Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Relish This Podcast. I'm Stu Swineford, co-founder of Relish Studio. We're a digital marketing agency committed to helping Colorado nonprofits thrive. Today, we're talking with Anna Zavisha. Anna is the Chief Program Officer of Volunteers for Outdoor Colorado, which is a great Colorado-based organization that in its 36-year history has mobilized over 125,000 people to get outdoors and give back to Colorado's trail systems and wild places. Anna and I had a great conversation the other day talking about how to increase diversity in their programs, how to increase retention, and generally how to leverage the VOC assets to bring people into the fold and, and get them engaged and motivated to help out. Here we go. Hope you enjoy it. Well, again, thanks for being on. And um, I'll just kind of tee things up and just say, you know, how are, how are things going? We're here with, with Anna from the VOC, uh, Volunteers for Outdoor Colorado. And um, they're a great organization that I myself have done uh, quite a bit of volunteer work with over the years. Uh, I've been on a couple overnight volunteer projects with them up at, up above Treeline. Um, and it's, you know, I can't say enough great things about the organization itself. Um, so, Anna, I, I'd love to learn a little bit more about how you got into uh, the volunteer space, if that's, you know, always been your jam in terms of nonprofit work, or if, if, uh, if you migrated to that kind of organically, like a lot of people do. And then, uh, and then hear a little bit more about VOC and, and take it from there. Sure. Thanks. Yeah. So I wish I had this uh, story about, you know, intentionally going after a career path that included this, but the truth is it was very much more of the, the latter kind of falling into things, falling into place, maybe, you know, um, I think I put some of that energy out there and, um, it did, it did happen. Um, but I was way too pragmatic as a young person. So I didn't think you could actually work in the nonprofit world. Um, and that's, I think, an element that I took from my upbringing with two very conservative and kind of business uh, people. You know, my stepdad was pushing me to be a, an engineer um, because that was a career, right? Um, and so I, I got a business degree and Anyway, one thing led to another. I moved out to Colorado and, um, and really ended up in the nonprofit world. Um, was volunteering with VOC just as a, somebody who loves the outdoors. You know, I came out to Colorado um, because of the outdoors, mainly because of skiing, but then fell in love with, with everything else, the trails and mountain biking and so on and so forth. Um, and then a job came up at VOC and it was as though it was kind of written for me. I'll give you an example. Um, I think one of the um, requirements was seven years of nonprofit program development experience. I had seven years. I didn't have, <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't have eight. I had seven. <laughs> and so it just felt like when I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, this, this is my job. This, and, and I'm going to go for it. So here I am five years later. That's really great. I, I love when the universe sort of comes together like that. I don't know if you've ever read a book uh, called The Surrender Experiment, but it's by a guy named Michael Singer. It's one of my favorite books in a lot of ways. It, it has a lot of, it has some mystical stuff and there's some, there's some, some things about it, but, but basically what, what the gist of his theory is, is that if you just kind of surrender to things, just say yes to stuff that, all of this stuff just starts showing up like right when you need it. And, and he has multiple examples in his book where, you know, he needed, you know, $2,500 and someone walked in with $2,500 and he needed, you know, this thing to happen. Like he needed to put together a land deal to, to merge these two land pieces of land that he wanted to, to bring together. And like the person who owned one of those pieces of land is like, Hey, do you want to buy this? Like just like weird stuff that just kind of happens. And it's, it's really interesting when you pay attention that, that kind of holds true. It's, it's fun to experience that. And certainly there's some confirmation bias there, but, but it's, it's, it's also pretty cool when you it see is, it. It is, you know, and I, I really am a firm believer. Um, I kind of call it, you know, dancing with life or kind of, you know, being in flow or whatever, whatever words you have for it. But um, yeah, when you stop kind of fighting and like you said, surrender to, um, and I think, think that, you know, you have um, a friendly universe, 
a universe that actually wants to be on your side. Um, that's a that's a really powerful way to go through life. Um, and it's definitely been working for me over the last, I would say over the last 10 years. That's great. Love to hear that. And I'd love to, I, I'm going to write down the name of the book um, and, and definitely seek it out because it sounds like something I'd like to read. Well, I'll send you uh, a link to it at least af- after our uh, after our recording here. And then I'll put it in the uh, show notes. I'm trying to take some notes on on things to to add to uh, to the show notes. So I'll I'll add that to it as well, just in case anyone else would like to read that. Great. Um, so tell tell me a little bit about VOC. Let's start kind of with your with the mission and and what you guys are are hoping to do, and then we'll, and then we can talk about goals a little bit, and then. Maybe, you know, try and tease out some gold here to see how we can help move you toward those goals. Yeah. Um, so this is my favorite subject on the planet. <laughs> I really firmly believe in uh, VOC and its mission, um, which is to motivate and enable people to be active stewards of Colorado's natural resources. And um, we really, we're about, we're about the people. Yes, we're about the natural resource, but we want to bring people into kind of a connection and building a long-term connection of caring, right? So, um, and when we say natural resources, we really mean that. It's not just the land, it's water, it's air. Um, it's all the things that, you know, we, we need as human beings to, to live and to thrive. Um, so we've been doing it for 36 years. We kind of know at this point um, some of the things that work, but we're also, I think, you know, always looking to improve uh, we also are coming in 2020 with a bigger sense of humility um, around especially kind of diversity, equity, inclusion issues and how little um, we've really been able to accomplish in that realm. And so, you know, using the George Floyd moment um, in a way to kind of say, you know what, we've got some work to do here um, that we haven't done effectively in 36 years. Um and what does that look like? So um, some of the goals, and I know we're going to get into that, but there really are about a different type of volunteer, different type of volunteer leader. Um, but really, the you know, the work is active. The work is um, challenging. Um, you know, anytime that you're doing manual labor for multiple hours, even if it's yard work in your own home, um, you know, you're going to feel it, you're, especially as you get older, you're going to feel it in your back, you're going to feel it in your muscles. But I think it's also empowering to say, you know what, I made a sweat and muscle investment in something I really care about. And so many of us here in Colorado actually really care about our public lands, our waterways, um, our forests. And so feeling like we at least have some ability to positively affect those things um, is great. So I always say, you know, talking about VOC in Colorado is like, I don't know, selling apple pie on the 4th of July. (laughs) (laughs) It's just people, people love it and and people want to get involved. Well, that's great. I mean, certainly, I, I heard those changes in, in the way you guys talk about, about projects, uh, you know, uh, when we, when we met last week on our project, um, and so it was really cool to hear that language start to flow in. I know that, that there are a lot of challenges with the outdoor industry and inclusion. And, um, and so it's, it's great to see and hear VOC's, uh, approach to that. So, uh, you know, thank you for, for including that. I think it's really important. Um, so over 36 years, do you guys, do you know the, the stats on how many volunteers you've worked with over that period of time and, and those things? Oh, yeah. Can you share those with us or is that sure. secret information? No, no. So not counting this season, uh, we've had 125,000 people come out. with. Oh, that's amazing. Isn't that amazing. I know. I know. And, um, you know, our donated labor value to the state of Colorado is just around $25 million. Per year or since, oh, since, in since inception? I wish per year. No, per year it's about a million. These well, it used to be. This year is a little different, obviously. Sure. Yeah. But typically, the last few seasons it's been about a million a year. Okay. And where where are you hoping to to take that? What are what are the KPIs that you're that you guys are trying to improve upon? Uh, you know, for the re- remainder of this year, twenty twenty one. You know, maybe we should talk about quote unquote normal. I don't know. 
how normal we'll we'll get to again. But I, I think that I think that things will get back to some sort of normalcy. What what does that look like, and what what are you guys trying to hit on a, in a normal year? So we definitely um, have some, like you said, KPIs that we track. Um, so big picture wise, okay, what we know from lots of different um, coalitions and work that's been done, not by VOC, is that between 70 and 90% of Coloradans recreate regularly in the outdoors. That's huge. I mean, think about that. Um, yeah. you know, people, and, and that might be, you know, taking their dog around a local park, uh, or it might be bagging a 14er and kind of everything in between. Sure. The people who come out to volunteer with us uh, and other groups like us statewide, we haven't done a, an analysis since 2014, but the last time we did, so not that long ago, right? Six years. Mm-hmm. Um, less than 1%. So of the 70 to 90% that recreate, less than 1% commit themselves to at least one volunteer for Outdoor Colorado project per year? Or any, any, any volunteer. Any, volunteer, any, yeah. any outdoor related? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we've got a huge gap. Uh, well, that's a lot of opportunity. <laughs> I love how you think, Stu. Yeah, yeah sure. Opportunity. Um, I think awareness. Um, I still think people think there is an old model, which used to be around, but it's been probably, you know, a good 20 years where, oh, well, the, you know, the Forest Service hires seasonal crews and they go in and do all that work. Um, That's not the case anymore. 50% of the U.S. Forest Service budget goes to wildfire suppression now. They simply don't have the money. Now, granted, recently we did um, get the Great American Outdoors Act passed, which will change that. Yay, go Congress. Mm-hmm. Yay. I applaud yeah, awesome. them for that. Um, but still, you know, um, it's not gonna it's not gonna take care of all the backlog maintenance. And so the education and awareness piece for Coloradans, especially ones who go outside, is hey, you know what? You go out there, you play for free, pretty much, except if you're going maybe to a state park. You don't need a license to recreate. You know what? Give back. One, mm-hmm. give one weekend, give one day a year, to, and it doesn't have to be VOC. You have a probably a local stewardship organization in your neck of the woods. We're statewide. We'll happily take your labor as well, but do it. Sure. get involved, give back, um, take care of the resources you're using. Right. Well, I know you guys are a 1% for the planet partner, as are we. Um, and I, I think that one of the things I love about that organization is it's not just about money. Um, there are dozens of ways that you can give 1% and, and whether that's volunteer time or donations or, or, you know, whatever, um, you know, there's the 1% is, is a, is a number that I think people can wrap their arms around. It's, it's interesting that that's also the, the number that is less than 1% of the people give back in this way. And so, you know, trying to just get, you know, and, and if you gave one day, and, and obviously that's not even 24 hours. So I know your shifts are, are eight to four usually, right? So so that's eight hours in a year is significantly less. That's like a, you know, a 16th of a percent or something like that. So um, so that sounds like an interesting an interesting message to be able to to put out there and 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 see how see how we can get that to resonate. Yeah, and you know, I think you mentioned a really good point there too it doesn't have to be swinging a tool right so Mm -hmm. first of all there's multiple ways to volunteer if you love to take photos come and take some photos love Mm -hmm. to write a blog come and talk to the volunteers who are out there and write a blog Um, if you love to cook become one of our cruise chefs and food again in a non-covid year right now we're not right but you know, there's so many different ways. If you love to organize events and parties and things like that, we can use your help. Um, stuffing envelopes. I mean, you name it, we we can probably use your um, your labor. And then if you just don't have the time because you have, you know, two jobs or a, a family that's really demanding of your time, you can make a donation. And it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be, again, to VOC. It could be a donation to another nonprofit group. It could be, you know, the National Forest Foundation. What whatever, there's ways for you to 
pay for the use that, and the joy um, that you get from, from Colorado's resources. Well, I love it. So what, going, going back to kind of where you're hoping to move the needle is, is your chief, I mean, you know, most nonprofits have multiple uh, challenges and, and multiple goals that they're trying to reach donations, uh, you know, activity, volunteer time, et cetera. Where, where do you find consistently the, the biggest, you know, gaps in, in, in where you're hoping to be and where you, where you currently reside? Oh, you know, <laughs> Um, that's a, that's a fun question that I could talk about for the next three hours, probably. But, you know, um, I think there's certain things from the programmatic perspective that we definitely want to do. So I mentioned before, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, so one of those, um, things that we really want to do is diversify, um, the makeup of our staff board and volunteer and program participants. Uh, you know, we have typically kind of served the um, middle income, um, you know, white college educated person. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say that's been across the board always. And we've done some interesting things to change that. But, you know, we want people to come out with us um, in a way that works for them um, and get get in, engaged in kind of that hands on making their community, our community better. So, mm-hmm. uh, so that's a huge goal for us. Um, and, you know, we look at kind of diversity from a very broad perspective. Um, yes, absolutely. Race, ethnicity, uh, you know, socioeconomic status, but also, you know, age and, um, you know, kind of experience, um, kind of ways of knowing, not just ways of being. Right. You know, and then sexual orientation, uh, you know, religious affiliation, veteran status or military. When we kind of talk about engaging people, we want all Coloradans, but especially those who, who actually, you know, use parks, trails, and open spaces, which again, is a big subset of Colorado's population, to, to get engaged. Um, so that's a huge piece. Um, Another really big piece for us is retention. So we were just out on a project last week. Uh, it was an eight-hour project, but you know, with travel time, um, most volunteers put in probably about eleven hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's a long day, um, and you're working and you're active and you're in the outdoors, sometimes at elevation in the heat. Uh, it's hard. It's hard work. And, you know, I say that um, because I think being open about it is is really important, but it's not for everybody to volunteer in that way. Uh, and so, you know, we have about a 30% retention. Okay. We really want to get that to much higher. I would say at least 50% of our volunteers, we would like them to be returning year over year. Uh, okay. Ret- as vol- as volunteers or just in any sort of capacity? Well, so, you know, sure, in any capacity. But I think if, if, we got them, yeah, if we got them to volunteer, you know, they're a customer. We want to retain them as a customer. If we right. got them to donate, we want to retain them as a donor. It's a little mm-hmm. bit of a different strategy on the retention side. Yes, there's crossover. There's lots of crossover. Most of our returning yep. volunteers actually are donors, believe it. Right. Um, But, you know, it's much it's much harder to get a new volunteer or a new donor than it is to retain. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, we say that a lot in our business. It's it's easier to sell again to someone you've sold to once than uh, than to to try and create a whole new a whole new client. Um, That's that that acquisition cost component of, of things. And so once people are in your in your circle, um, it's, you know, that, that's the well that we, we start to ask questions about, like how, you know, how many people are on your email list? How many, how many active volunteers do you have in any given year? Um, and, and what are you doing to, to get back in front of, in front of that crew? So I think let's, let's stop there for just a second and talk, uh, talk through a couple of ideas that, that I might have for you. How, um, I know. I see you guys pop up on LinkedIn quite a bit, but I'm playing in that space quite a bit as well. So 
Um, so there's certainly some, some social media places that I'm just not very active in. And so you guys may be more active, but tell me a little bit about your, your outreach and the, the activities that you're doing on a regular basis. And then we can, we can kind of chat through how frequently you're, you're posting in those, in those areas where, where are you guys most active right now? So our best platform is Facebook and it is the platform that we use for kind of all of our photographs, uh, albums from projects. So we'll cross post some things, but most of, so we have about 13,000 followers on Facebook where okay. Instagram is probably hovering around 1500, uh, Twitter okay. about the same. Um, and then LinkedIn, um, we, we have a YouTube channel. We don't really use it all that much, except once in a while, if we have some content, that's, you know, a video sure. content. So, um, you know, I know Facebook, uh, demographics are not necessarily exactly where we want to be. And so we're trying to grow our Instagram presence, okay. more of the younger, um, millennial population and younger. Um, mm -hmm. and then LinkedIn, funny enough once in a while really surprises us because we'll post something and all of a sudden we have kind of the best engagement of any of our platforms and we kind of go, huh, I wonder what that was all about. <laughs> right. So, yep. so those are our social media um, platforms that are the ones that we're using the most. And then we have an electronic newsletter that goes out to about 36,000 emails uh, during the project season. It's twice a month. And then in the off season, so November, December, January, February, it's just once a month. And that's okay. really our main kind of engagement opportunity for people. It's where we post projects that aren't filled. It's where we highlight other non-projects. Because most people see us for the projects we do. There's a lot of yep. other stuff that we do. And we're really right. to educate the people who have engaged with us. But obviously, okay. they've had to come in and say, yes, I want to be on your newsletter. And then does everyone pretty much get the same newsletter? Are you segmenting that list at all? Are you, are you like, is there a volunteer segment, a recent volunteer segment, a certain type of project? You know, are you doing anything to segment that list or is it just the kind of one and done? Here's, here's the newsletter and, and away we go. So with that newsletter, we're not, but we do targeted email blasts. So for example, okay. if people have told us and have volunteered on a high Alpine project, that's rated difficult and we're having trouble mm -hmm. filling that project, we'll do a targeted email blast to those people and say, hey, we've got this opportunity. You know, you're interested in this kind of thing. We also have some other newsletters that are targeted at different populations. The okay. Voice newsletter, which is our main kind of big newsletter, we don't segment. Um, okay. Maybe we okay. should, and but we don't. <laughs> Well, there's, a, there's an idea for you. <laughs> um, you know, one of the other things that we're finding a little bit, and it's not universal, uh, you know, none of, the, none of the things I'm going to recommend work all the time, but certainly some, some trends that we're seeing are that people are getting a little burned out on the, you know, here are the nine things that, that we want to talk to you about this month, newsletters. And so we've been really changing at least part of, part of the tactic to be just focus on one thing and, and, and push a newsletter that's just about a single thing. So again, that stops being a newsletter, I guess, but you know, an email outreach, um, but, but really just have it be about one project that you want to highlight or one volunteer or, you know, one, one ask as opposed to having people try and select the, the piece of that newsletter that, that, you know, you hope resonates with them just, you know, know that you're that of the 36,000 um, some percentage aren't going to be interested in that one thing, but some percentage are going to be really interested in that one thing and you haven't buried it amongst nine other things. So that's, that's something to, to think about as a, as an email. Tactic. Yeah. And I, I love um, that in your recent relish. Um, I don't know what you call it, but you do an email, right? Yeah. Yeah, my marketing insights yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. read that, and I, you know, I thought a little bit about it. Here's kind of what, well, a couple things, and maybe we can riff on this a little bit. But you know, nonprofit, we're always limited in time and resources. Yep. So right now, even getting this regular newsletter out every two weeks, a lot right. of time for somebody to put all that content together and get it out. 
Um, mm-hmm. Secondly, I feel like we have lots of things we talk about always. Um, right? yep. So how many times can you hit someone in their inbox before you go, before they go, oh my gosh, you guys are bombarding me with information. Right. So those are just two things right. that come to mind about that strategy versus let's lump it together. People can scroll. They can read a headline. If it doesn't appeal to them, they don't actually read it and move on. Right. Right. Definitely worth considering. Um, one of the things that you you might try is, again, creating a segment of the list. And, and then, you know, you have a big list. So you have 36,000 people. If you took even a thousand of those people randomly selected, and just started a, a weekly single issue mailer to them. And then you can, you can see if you get, uh, you know, grumpiness about that. And part of that could actually be, um, you know, telling them what you're doing and just say, Hey, you know, we're, how often would you like to receive correspondence from us? Um, and, and, and that way, at least you're, you're kind of surveying them as well and, and getting that, that feedback. Um, so, you know, I, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw your entire email list into this experiment, but, uh, but, you know, coming up with a way to just test the waters a little bit, I think is, uh, you know, is, is valuable. The other thing that you could do is, um, is do an AB test on one of your sends and have, you know, half the list get the regular newsletter and half the list get a single issue and see how the, the engagement on each of those plays out yeah, and just test it. So those are a couple of email things that, that you might consider. Yeah. Um, in terms of your, in terms of your social, do you feel like it's a one way conversation or are you guys really active on back and forths and, and going out and, and chatting up new people? I know again, limited resources. I'm just trying to, to tease out some opportunities here. You know, I think for our just kind of general posts, uh, it's mostly, you know, kind of a like or a share. It's not necessarily as much comments or questions where people engage. Okay. Uh, but if they do, we make it a point to always respond. Okay, great. That's that's a good policy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, once in a while we have a what we call our snarky comment sure. where we're just like, really? Um, and we still respond to them because we Good. able to know like, Hey, we heard you, um, yep. where we've actually had some fun was, um, at the start of the COVID thing, we were really trying to figure out how do we keep people kind of engaged, hopeful. And we created a Facebook group okay. and anyone's welcome. You don't actually have to have volunteered with us. If you join right. the group, you can join the group. And let me tell you. Our people were posting in there because they missed the community. Yep. And yeah. it was awesome. It was awesome to see like they were come they were pulling out old photos and little stories and anecdotes from you now 20 years ago from a project. And um it was or like they were doing household repairs and they were posting them and they were like working in my yard because I can't be on a VOC phone. <laughs> That's great. You know, so um, really, really had a great time with that and um, want to continue that kind of organic um, engagement from folks. Yeah. Really through the group, I think, is the best way to do that. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, people tend to think of, of um, unfortunately, I think a lot of, a lot of businesses and, and foundations and organizations tend to look at, at social media as like a, a you know, a, a place to, to post stuff. So it becomes like a one way street. And, um, you know, from the onset, social media is social and it's, and it is a conversational, um, piece. And so I think it might be interesting for you to just put as a KPI, you know, engage with X number of people per week. And, and if, and if that's responding to people who have, who have engaged with you, then you can count that. And if, and if it, let's say, let's say that number is 20, right? So you just want to have, get some sort of conversation or, or, you know, some sort of you guys going out and asking for information or, or, you know, engaging with at least 20 people a week. And, um, and that'll give you the opportunity to kind of target some of these influencers. I'm a lot more active on Instagram 
and one of the one of the things that I, I purposely started doing was following a lot of BIPOC uh, outdoor people, and and you know there are a lot of groups out there. There are a lot of really cool things going on in the Latinx community, in 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 um, you know the the Black uh, outdoors people community. There are a lot of really cool people to follow, and so just just setting a goal of go follow however many people and then, you know, post, post something, uh, on, on their account every once in a while. Um, you know, I think particularly as you, as we talked about diversity a little while ago, you know, that's a built in kind of audience. And, and, um, and so I think that, that you might be able to, to see some, some advantages there. Um, you know, I know big city mountaineers is, is active in, in Denver. Um, and there, there are several, kind of Denver area organizations as well. Um, the, uh, the crew at, uh, at conservation Colorado, they've, they've done a really good job at their events of bringing in, um, you know, native American communities and, and, and minority groups into their, into their events. And so if, you know, if you need, uh, I, I know, you know, those guys too. So, but if you needed an introduction into those, into them to just get some, get some names, I think that that'd be a really great way to um, just kind of start that that diversity uh, engagement, um, and the other thing that I've found, so this is something that I had been doing on LinkedIn, is just going in and and liking a bunch of things. So it's like if you post something that I think is neat, I'd be like, oh, it's like, or you know, congratulations or heart, or and not actually posting something. And one of the things that I've actually noticed is really helping in that business community, in that B2B space. And I, I know that it works across uh, across all the social media platforms is taking the time to actually post a comment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it creates a lot more visibility. Um, it, it demonstrates that it's not just a, you know, a, an easy thing. I, you know, I hit the heart and away we go, but like that you're actually engaged and you actually care and, and it, it goes a long way. Um, and I think it, in some of the, some of the social media places, it actually gets you in front of their, their follower, followership a little bit more regularly. Um, and it also gives them an opportunity to, you know, no one's going to say, Hey, thanks for the like, right. or, you know, not no one, but most people don't say thanks for the, you know, that effortless thing that you just right. did. Um, you know, but if you post like, Hey, I really like that picture of you, blah, blah, blah you know, they'll be like, Oh, thanks for the comment. That was neat. You yeah. know? And so it, it creates an opportunity for back and forth and, and relationship building. And, you know, I'm not the first, I didn't come up with this, but you know, relationships are interactions over time. And so even those little back and forths, those become that those building blocks on which all of a sudden people are like, well, I know these guys, they, you know, they comment on my posts all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I do that personally with my Facebook rather than a right. like or a, you know, emoji, uh, but yep. a comment, you know, if I really want somebody to know, like I read the thing that you put up there or, you know, congratulations or whatever it might be. So here's a question though. Do you do that as relish or do you do that as Sue? On LinkedIn, I'm mostly active as me. Okay. And I'm certainly as me, I'm a representative of relish on LinkedIn. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, you're going to, uh, see a little bit different uh, approach to that stuff, uh, but uh, you know, I, 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 on LinkedIn, I feel like LinkedIn is a business um, a business area. So you know, I keep it very businessy there. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the, I've been very intentional about growing my personal LinkedIn, you know, breadth, I guess, or, or reach, um, and uh, and so. That, and, and the other philosophy that, that we kind of have is, you know, people do business with other people. And yes, there's, there's certainly brands that, that have, you know, transcended that where it's like, I love Patagonia, right? Like that's a brand. I'm not doing business with Yvonne. I'm doing business with Patagonia. But at the end of the day, it's people behind that. And, and so being, you know, I, I just try to be super authentic and vulnerable, you know, and me, I, I'm me. Sure maybe cursing a little less than I normally do on LinkedIn, but, um, but, but definitely, you know, just, just approaching it from that perspective and trying to build relationships is, is how I've been doing it. I think for you guys, you have a bigger brand than, than Relish does. So I think 
being active and looking at, at your follower count. So you have, you have connections and that's usually a personal, and then you have people following you. So people tend to follow brands and connect with, with other people. Um, so coming at it from the perspective of, of, you know, how do you build, build both of those? Um, and if, you know, if your brand is big enough and you have enough followers, then I would, I would probably be a little bit active on both. Um, you know, but you as kind of the brand ambassador or one of the brand ambassadors to, um, for, for volunteer for Alpha Colorado on LinkedIn, I think that, that it could work really well for you to look at your, at, at your connections count and see how you can bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, you know, I probably need to get personally more active on LinkedIn. Um, in fact, social media is, um, one of those things I have come to loathe in some ways. Um, so I really I understand. am trying to limit most of my time. Um, and I'm just trying to live a real life instead of online <laughs> life. Um, yep. At the same time, I, you know, I do, uh, especially with LinkedIn, when I do post, it's mostly about something that's going on with VOC. So today, it's yeah. bit about, you know, our art auction that's continuing through Sunday yep. um, in the hopes that, you know, even a few people could look at some art and say, wow, you know, I like the bid on that. Um, right. So I think my network's over 500 people right now. On oh, that's great. So. Um, and, you know, LinkedIn for me is a very different strategy than Facebook. Facebook is people yes. I know. LinkedIn is, somebody yeah. wants to connect with me, I'm connecting with them. So, get on. Right. <laughs> right. So, LinkedIn groups are, would be another place that you might consider uh, adding a Volunteers for Outdoor Colorado group. Um, it tends to get a little solicitous, at least from from what I have have seen. And people aren't quite as active on groups as they once were. It doesn't, doesn't feel like there's some big groups that, that have a lot of activity. Um, but for example, there's a 1% for the planet group. And it, when I pop into that, it tends to be, it tends to feel a little solicitous where people are just, you know, kind of posting like, Hey, I have a, you know, I have a digital marketing agency and you should use me. And it's like, well, that's maybe not the way that I would approach that. But if you have this kind of, you know, you know, clearly a fairly rabid fan base, right? For volunteers throughout the Colorado, it might be worth kind of testing the waters there and seeing, you know, seeing what you can get. Um, you know, that, that might be a, a, an option. Um, you know, I would, I think that my, my biggest recommendation is even in, think about who your target audiences are and where they might go to get information. And this is another opportunity to maybe survey your, uh, your list um, and, and just say, Hey, you know, where, where do you go to get information about X, Y, and Z? And, um, and I actually have a framework for that, that I'll, I'll see if I can share with you, um, where even on your site, it's, it gives you the opportunity to kind of do a, a survey before, uh, you know, a, as people kind of come in, you can say, where do you get information? And, and, you know, leverage the power of this thing that people want, which is, uh, which is to be a part of this, this volunteer experience. Mm -hmm. and just ask one more question. Like, where do you, where do you play? Right. Um, and you know, because people are jazz, you know, they're not going to bail because of that. They're in your funnel and, and they're, they're very excited to be part of what you're doing. Um, so, you know, just ask one more question. Like, where do you prefer to, to get information when you, when you go out to get information and have, you know, Facebook, Instagram, you know, TikTok, whatever, whatever all the, all the, all the latest things are. And, and you'll get a, a feel for where you should be playing and, and where you should put your time. So do you feel like that should be more about social media or should that also be, you know, there's, for example, there's the, that newsletter out there, Colorado, right? Yep. And um, it's a lot of outdoors news. It's a lot of death and dying, which I'm always kind of like, huh. Okay. Right. But um, regardless, it's, you know, it's something that gives outdoor enthusiasts an ability to kind of know, know what's going on, feel like, you know, they have an in. Um, right. So would you recommend asking people about like certain platforms like that in addition to social media or would you want to just keep it where we could actually then have a, a real presence well i know you guys asked the question where how did you find out about us or how did you hear about this project yep. um 
so yeah, I mean, I, I think I would probably, I would change the question from time to time. I would try, I would try it out and you know, we're, we're getting a little bit towards the end of the season here. So obviously these might be things that we need to implement uh, next year, but I know that you guys have access to Civicor and can customize that kind of in any way that you want. So, you know, it might be worth uh, just adding a question about just, Hey, you know, where do you, where do you go to get information and, and about, about outdoor activities, for example, um, or volunteer opportunities, or, you know, you can phrase that in a variety of different ways and then just give them, you know, as many options as you want. Um, my guess is that, that one, one of the social media, uh, places is probably going to fall out in terms of like, Oh, everyone's, you know, 70% of the people use Facebook and you can make it a multi-select list too, if you, if you want. So you could give them the opportunity to say, I, you know, I get my information on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram or, you know, whatever. But at that point, at, at least you'll have, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you should abandon something, but at least you'll know where to start putting more of your, more of those eggs, uh, in terms of, uh, in terms of your baskets. Right. Um, but it's still, it's only getting us the people who are actually volunteering with us. Right. Cause it's right. in the project. It's either in the project registration or maybe we do a post project survey where we have that question. So, you know, well, or you could you could set up a, a survey that you that you send out to your email list. Mm-hmm. So those are people that are active and not active. Yeah. Um, and you could send it out to that list. I mean, the likelihood that you're going to get a ton of people filling that out is lower than if you put it in the stream of of this checkout process, essentially. Yeah. Um, you know, but and I wouldn't necessarily make it mandatory, but I, I think you you know you'll get information from that current place and and any data is better than no data um so yeah going back to that gap of the people who play versus the people who volunteer yes that's where i want to understand where are where are those people the people who aren't yet coming out with any stewardship group right so it's probably the similar demographic Right. So, you know, the, the volunteers are coming out of that bigger. They are. And, and so that's why I'm tr- trying to leverage the assets that you, that you can get to without having to pay for mm-hmm. it. Um, Cause you already own quote unquote uh, own that list. Right. And so you have access to that group of people. And I think you can make, certainly there's some assumptions, but I think you can make some assumptions that these are, are very similar user types, uh, personas as the population as a whole, obviously they're different because these people have taken the initiative to, to hop out and, and say, I'm, I'm going to give, I'm going to give my time to this great thing. But from a fundamental standpoint, they're probably not that much different than that 99% of, of the population that isn't volunteering currently. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And I would put, you know, so it might be worth running, running a, uh, you know, a, a Facebook campaign for a little while and have that be, so how, how we tend to do that is we start really broad and you come up with an, an advertisement, which might be surveying people on some question. And you know, so the, the goal here is just, just to get information and some engagement and there's some brand awareness as well. Right. But it's not like to transition somebody into a volunteer that the idea here is to just get some data. Um, and what, what we like to do is create an ad that, that isn't perfect. It's just, it's good enough. So you're not spending a bunch of money and time, like going back and forth on what this ad looks like or how it works. And then you use really broad targeting. So don't get super specific about your targeting, um, but just be really broad because that tends to loosen your, um, well, it does a couple of things. One, it, it does expand that audience dramatically. And two, it reduces your cost per, per ad um, or, or cost per, per click or you know, however you set up that campaign. 
And then you'll find that from that, you can analyze that data and you can see what segment of that broad group actually actually engaged with that. And so then you know that that group is actually interested in this type of ad. And so you can go after that group a little more aggressively with something where you're, you're willing to spend a little more on that kind of group and then do, an, do it again. And so basically then come up with another, another ad that you run again, get it good enough and run it to a good enough segment that you're not spending a ton. And you just start to see where, where people fall out of that or fall into your, you know, what you're trying to do. And then you can, you know, you can really target on, on that user type yeah. with a more specific, with, with more specificity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely some food for thought. Yeah. Those are all uh, interesting things. So in terms of retention, you're at 30% and you want to get to 50. Do you, so I know you said that you, you do some marketing or some, some outreach and segmentation around people that have a specific project type that they've worked on. Um, and when opportunities arise in that, um, are, are there any other ways? So for example, if somebody worked on a high altitude, are you only sending them high altitude or high elevation, um, projects? No. And you know, it's not often that we actually have to deploy that strategy to do a targeted email blast because a lot of times our projects are filling without that. Mm -hmm. It's our problem children. And we always have a couple during the season where we're creatively thinking, okay, these people were on a similar project last year. Uh, We're highlighting it in our communications. We're posting it on social media. We're looking with partners to help um, fill that project. So, you know, our, we did, we did do some research about kind of what, prevents people from coming back out. And Mm -hmm. our research led us to a a couple of conclusions. One is that most of the time, at least what people are telling us, is something in their life changed. They moved. They got a new job where they're working weekends or nights. They had a baby. That's it. Right. So something is preventing them from coming out. Okay. Um, I think there's more to that story than just a lifestyle change. You know, these were the people who responded to our yep. um, surveys. And then finally we, we did some phone calls because we really wanted to. Oh, good. Yeah. That's great. I'm into it. But my sense is that there's something else that's um, that might be a barrier. And one of the things I come came to um, is, you know, just really knowing that, I consider myself a person who's in pretty good physical shape and I am tired. I am tired. Now, granted, I always pick the difficult ones. um, So that's, you know, (laughs) self punishment. Um, But my sense is that if we can offer more of a shorter duration project so that you're really, you're committing to four hours, you're coming out there. Yes, you're working hard, but you're not needing 10 hours of sleep or 12 hours of sleep right. after your muscles aren't super sore. So that's like one potential strategy. Another one is how do we continue to build community on projects? How do we get people to really, and again, COVID has turned all these yep. strategies that's upside really down, um, but how can you create um, an experience for people beyond the volunteer experience? So, you know, a guitar player at the campfire at night, um, Mm-hmm. Or you know um, a cornhole tournament, or um, some kind of yep. educational opportunity on the project, which are all things we do. We just don't always do them consistently because of you know lack of resources and um, sure. things like that. So so there was the how do we eliminate some barriers to coming back? How do we create an experience? And then um, you know how do we get people to to get to know each other and get to be buddies and friends on these projects so that they do look at VOC as a community. Right. And they want to come and see their friends on a weekend. So those are kind of the main things that we considered. But again, would love to hear from you whether you have some other suggestions for us for retention. Yeah, I have a couple of ideas. Um, and the first one is 
So it sounds like you're, you, so for example, if I volunteered last year on a, on a project and there's a similar project that you, you're needing some, some legs uh, and hands and all the rest of our parts on the, on those projects this year that you're sending me a very specific, like, Hey, we have a project in Washington, Wash Park next week or in, in a couple months and there's some spots. Would you be, in, you know, do you want to sign up for that? Is that kind of the ask? Sometimes. Now okay. I, we do have one other strategy that I didn't tell you about, which is about halfway through the season. If somebody hasn't come back out, we send them an huh? email and says, Hey, we haven't seen you out yet this year. We'd love for you to change. Okay. That's awesome. Okay. So I have a couple of ideas. So the first one is, is something that I've been trying, which is, is small asks. So instead of, instead of assuming that someone wants something and just going ahead and sending it to them, I say, Hey, for, so for you, maybe it's, Hey, we have some volunteer openings available. Would you be interested in, in learning more about them? So instead of just sending them the list, ask them permission to send the list. Um, because when people opt in, they feel more like connected and they feel like they took the initiative as opposed to the, the initiative was kind of pushed on them. So that might be something to try. The other thing that I loved, and this was something that you did to me this year was there was a personal ask from you to join this project. And what I'm wondering is if there might not be an opportunity to leverage the community. Um, so I know Scott, was on uh, our project last week and Scott was on the, I believe the Mount Evans project that I was on a couple of seasons ago. So have Scott send me an email. So Scott signed up, have Scott be the, the, the person who asks me, Hey, I haven't seen you in a couple of years. We were on a project last year. There's one coming up that I'm on. Would you like to join? And so it becomes a personal ask. Also leveraging all of the, like the crew, crew members. My guess is, is that volunteers really get kind of attached to the crew members because that's like maybe aspirational for them or, or, you know, they're really impressed with the fact that I think it was Martin had 45 projects under his belt and Mark had 50 under his belt last week. Right. Mm -hmm. So have the crew chiefs that are working on these projects be the, the, spokesperson for this ask and you you know you can automate this a, a bit um but if it's somebody i've worked with in the past i'm probably going to be more inclined to open that email and more inclined to consider that as like a wow this dude reached out to me like even if i know in the back of my mind that mark didn't you know didn't really reach out to me it's you know this thing that that just gets generated at least there's the thought behind that and there's a like this this other connection that, uh, that comes into play. Um, so just kind of leveraging those, I think would be pretty powerful. Um, and, and maybe worth a try. Um, the life change thing. I mean, you, you gave a lot of really good reasons why someone might not be able to come back out. Um, these are still, uh, ev they're, they're still, still evangelists for VOC. I mean, they took the time to, to do an eight hour project or a four hour project. And so, um, maybe asking them to re recommend a friend and creating the ability for them to, you know, say, Hey, you know, if things have changed and you're no longer able to, to do this, do you, do you know anyone who might be interested? And if so, you know, either please forward their name to us or, or send this on to them. Um, and then all of a sudden it's, this thing is coming from a friend. So it's not coming from this, this organization. There's, there's a personal connection kind of created there. Um, so that's a couple things. Yeah. That last one I think is great for new volunteers. Um, yeah. but I liked your others about the retention because you are right. If I got an email from someone I worked with on a project who, you know, obviously there was some larger interaction than just, we were on the project together. We may never have actually talked, but if you know right. that there was, you know, we were on the same crew and we worked side by side for two days and we were kind of buddy, buddy um, on that project, getting a personal email from that person to say, Hey, I'm coming back out next week and we still have some spots. Would you, right. well, my goodness, absolutely. Yeah. That is a much uh, more kind of 
uh, personal and like an appeal that I would consider rather than VOC just sending me a, hey, we got project slots open on this project. Right, right. And I think that even if I don't remember that person, um, even if even if I didn't really interact with them, just the, you know, it's like, it's like on LinkedIn, right? When, when there's, you know, there's all these things, it's like, oh, well, we went to the same school or we live, live in the same town or we, you know, we like the same things or we're in the same groups. Like those become these warming up uh, mechanisms by which there's a, there's an authenticity to, uh, you know, to, to that interaction. Yeah. Um, so even if it's, even if it's lukewarm, that's better than cold, um, or freezing. Um, so, so even if it's, you know, it's a little bit distant, like, Hey, we were on this project together and, and I thought I'd reach out and see if, if, you know, if you'd be interested in joining me on this next one, yeah. that's, that's a warmish lead. A burning hot lead would be, you know, someone that I actually interacted with. So like a crew chief or, or someone that you somehow know that I, that I had very close interaction with, um, you know, that would be burning hot, but, but certainly, you know, I think any warming up that, that, uh, that you can do is, is going to be a viable way to, to move that needle. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a great um, point. You're right. There's an affinity built just from the fact that we were on this project together. It doesn't matter what happened on that. Oh, well, unless you were a jerk to me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know what? I'll be honest. We don't have many of those simply because I think the people who go out to do this kind of work are just really awesome people. And so typically uh, we're, we're all just having a great time out there and working hard. Yeah. I mean, that's been my experience. Well, so we're almost to an hour. That was super fun. I had a really great time talking with you. What, what were your takeaways from our conversation? Do you think, or, or what, one takeaway do you, did you like? You know, um, my takeaway is that we're bringing back a furloughed person who will relieve um, our marketing person, who you know, Ellie. Okay. And I mm-hmm. can't wait to share these ideas with her once our other furloughed staff is back and she has a little bit of space. Um, right. But this comes at a great time for us because we are kind of, you know, the calendar year is our planning year and it's our fiscal year. And so we're getting to the end of this season and starting to look forward into 2021. And um, I think some of these things are fantastic ideas for us to implement. Well, I had a super fun time talking with you. There's one other question I have for you. And I want to, I want to end all of these podcasts with some sort of action that people can take. Um, And so I know I'm putting you a little bit on the spot, but what, what would you want people who listen to this to do if they were to do one thing um, you know, for the, for the planet or for, for themselves or for, for VOC or for whomever. So uh, thanks for asking. Um, I would actually love for every one of us to commit never to walk by a piece of trash again. All right. I'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> Pick up trash. Just, yeah. Just don't walk by it. Pick it up. Have a, you know, have, have the, equipment you need as you know a glove or something but pick it up um if we all did that i think we'd live in a much nicer area well i agree and i i uh i don't know how active you are on instagram but there's a an account called poopback fairy who takes pictures or posts pictures of uh that people send um, of poop bags that people have left all along the trails. And so that might be one for you guys to, to engage with. We actually have. So just one last thing. You can take any old container, your old mayonnaise container, an old Nalgene bottle, and turn it into what we call a crap sole. Nice. You can pick up other people's left on the trail poo bags. And if you have a dog, you can put your own dog's poop in there. Make sure that openings appropriate for the size of dog you have Um, but that way you can carry it in your pack it's not gross it doesn't smell that's awesome i love that idea and that that's great advice thank you yeah well thanks again for for coming on that was super fun and um i'll let you know when this posts and i hope you have a really great day it was great to see you thank you for joining us last week you're an, an animal and (laughs) <laughs> well, I really appreciate your, your muscles and, uh, oh, 
No problem. And as always, if you or Kelly need anything, don't hesitate to, to reach out. I'm happy to answer questions. Or if you have some, some big idea you want to run by me, I'm, I'm here to, to help you guys out, out. So give me a shout. Awesome. Congrats on getting this thing going. Oh, thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. There you have it. Another great episode of Relish This, the nonprofit marketing podcast. If you want to continue the conversation, see how we can unearth some gold for your organization. Go to relishstudio.com slash podcast to sign up to be a guest on the show. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of Relish This, the nonprofit marketing podcast.